0: listening to Hunger, a Hainai short story. His name was George May, and he didn't know how to spell it until he was seven years old, when a kindly priest taught him how to write it in a shaking hand, saying he was named after a saint that it was a handsome name for a handsome lad. "'A truant officer found him running wild round the streets of Frono, "'and dragged him by the bony arm to St. Michael's, "'and he was inducted into one of the religious schools "'after his mother insisted she would not, "'and certainly could not, "'pay a single pence for the boy's education.' George didn't blame his mother for not remembering his name. She had thirteen children to contend with, and he wasn't one of the better ones. The best he could say was that he was the prettiest of his siblings, and when his mother remembered him at all, she remarked on his angelic looks and devilish temper. She was happy enough to hand him over to the priests, and that was perhaps the greatest kindness she had ever given him. He was voracious in his studies, as he was in the meals they provided him, simple but filling. He kept clean, more and more aware that his mother's looks, withered with time and tiredness, gave him a face that matched the beautiful, unnerving faces of angels on church walls. His studiousness and the bright, radiant smile he gave to the priests and deacons and missionaries, gave the illusion that he was a good child. He was not a good child, though he was not terrible. More than anything, he was hungry. Hungry for knowledge, which the school that sponsored him to enter universities often reserved only for those with means— Nurtured, hungry for comfort, which was provided to him when he gave the illusion that he was hard-working, hungry for affection, that which he won easily, with a smile here and a gentle brush there. The church that educated him thought they had his loyalty, even well into adulthood. But the moment one Friedrich Langford... "'laid eyes on the beautiful, youthful George May at Sunday service. "'He was too eager to leave their hallowed halls "'to be taken into the old and powerful Langford family. "'He was named a lesser-known brother, "'alleged sickly in youth, "'and near constantly hidden away, "'marked George Langford in their new records.' Poor as he was, there was nothing written down about the existence of George May beyond papers burned at the church. The Langfords had enough money and connections to make him theirs, no matter how strange the circumstances. And how strange, even still, that George Langford, as he entered adulthood, was such a social butterfly. "'becoming the most prominent of this family. "'Beautiful, charming, utterly enthralling. "'These were all the things George Langford was known to be, "'unlike his quieter, gruffer, plainer, elder brother, Friedrich, "'heir to the fortune without a wife and children well into his thirties. "'My Friedrich,' George was known to say, He's kind when you get to know him. He has always been kind to me. Cared for me. In lieu of an absent wife. It was an old joke. For the few who knew him best. Most notably, the friends George had made the day he went through his elder brother's missives. Many of which Friedrich ignored. For all the tiring work he did as heir And George found a strange note, no name on it, only a unique seal, bearing what looked to be a hand stretching out toward the reader, stamped into blood-red wax. It was meant for Friedrich. It instead came to George. And finally, his voracious hunger had found something new and exciting to devour. Ordo Fratrum de Manu Extenta. The fraternal order of the outstretched hand. An order that sought power through the arcane and the realms beyond knowledge. Its founder and leader was a strong man of the Savad family. The only man who could control the egos of so many powerful men who only wished for more power. It was enlightening for George to meet such men in such a context. Many of them were stupid, but they knew enough to know that power was something they wanted to hoard. There were a handful of women as well, which was a strange but pleasant surprise. Even among them, however, one stood out, before, and more so after, George got to know her. Marianne Weeks In so many ways, she was entirely unlike George. She was plain, for one, and had an ounce of allure about her. More so, unlike all the others in the Order, she was a woman of color, her skin darker than any George had met among the elite, but more familiar in his youth, running around Toronto streets. Though George could cast a grand illusion that he belonged among these men of power, that was all it was. An illusion. In contrast, Marianne belonged to the elite more than he. Her father knew Vorish, but nonetheless, possessing the power that Savard chose to gather around him. But in all the ways that mattered, she and George were much the same. Their eyes were both too sharp and too hungry. George came from poverty, and Marianne saw its effects every day of her life, though she grew up around the money of her well-to-do father. They were all of them, purported philanthropists. But few truly understood what it meant to live in that world, George and Marianne among them. If George had been more honest with himself, perhaps he could have learned so much more from this woman. But George was not possessed of a wisdom that outshone his hunger, and so instead he latched himself on to the clever and ambitious Jean-Paul Renard, And the cruel Giovan Grigori. He enjoyed Jean Paul's romantic affections, though, even for one as hungry as George, Jean Paul was uncomfortably reckless in his pursuit of power, more similar to Grigori than he wanted to admit. Over time, George began to observe the roles of many of the members in their order. In the pursuit of higher powers, of the arcane and the supernatural, it was clear that of their lot, few were truly knowledgeable. Of these, the most prominent were Salvad himself, the subdued but charming, who was one of Savad's clear favorites, as well as the humorless Richard Henry, and the genius Marianne. George admired Marianne from afar for weathering the jealousy of those around her, though it was clear she had Savard's respect and protection, as well as the affection of a distinguished few. Was enamored with her, it seemed, though George knew from the beginning that his affection would be rebuffed, for there was one more thing he and Marianne had in common. Marianne became in the privacy of their meetings, one Claudette Jean Villeneuve's lover. Claudette was not very wise, nor particularly hungry, but she was pretty enough, and her affection was genuine. It reminded George of Friedrich, another who loved him, whom he so eagerly betrayed. Still, though could not be with Marianne in the way he wished, They were clearly of like minds and quite close, and they began to form a magic that many in their order had only ever dreamed of. They began to gather items, small and large, and place curses on the lot. Things to focus power, siphon them from others, give their creators long life, and the magic for spells that they had taught each other and exchanged. Foci, they were called. "'and scattered across the city for the hapless to find. "'It didn't matter if they were rich or poor, "'or what race or background. "'They would serve the greater good in equal parts. "'For were they not the greatest of men and women? "'And would the power not be better in their hands "'than the thoughtless and the cruel?' (laughs) "'It was a pretty lie. "'Just like the one Grigory, and Renard,' And George Langford himself believed, when told them of his method to achieve true immortality. Not the slow, steady extension of life that all in the Order had achieved, when violence could kill them just as easily as any mortal man. And so, Grigory, Renard, and Langford cut their souls into pieces. Grigory into many Reynard into fewer, and George into three. For a man who committed many betrayals, George was strangely surprised when betrayed them all. As though he would not have done the same had he been wiser, cleverer. They had sundered their souls, thinking it would give them power. All it gave them was a sundered soul, trapped in the cursed foci they themselves had created. And in the nothingness in which George Langford slept, memories lost what parts of him had died. He realized for the first time that, no matter how hungry, he had never seen fit to find satisfaction In the arms of his br- No. His husband. Friedrich. He hoped Friedrich was well. In spite of George's betrayal. And he hoped in whatever sliver of life he had left if no. When someone released him that he might devour the soul of the man who destroyed him and finally have his fill. You're listening to Hainai by Motsi Dapul.
1: This is Reg Heli, co creator and co producer of Hainai. Hainai is a podcast produced by Motsi Dapple and me and licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution, non commercial share alike 4.0 international license. Today's special episode was written and directed by Motsi Dapple, who also plays the role of Mary De Tuin. For last week's special episode, we featured the Tik Tik, a staple in Philippine monster myths. But we also clued in on the presence of another Aswang, or monster, in the episode. And we asked you guys to guess what it could be. The answer of course is the sigbin. Sigbin are fearsome creatures said to hunt for prey at night to suck their blood. They have a very distinct and creepy way of walking backwards with their head lowered between their hind legs and have a foul odor. Sigbinan are families who have the ability to control sigbin and keep them in clay pots when not in use. If you remember from the episode, one such clay pot belonging to the rich Don of the barangay was mentioned, along with a large cage containing a creature with claws and a strangely thick tail. Thanks to everyone who participated. We're so glad we got a whole range of answers, and we're probably going to be posting more of these challenges for funsies in the future. To watch out for these challenges, along with news and updates, follow our official blog, hainaipod.tumblr.com. Also, don't forget to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at HainaiPod. To help support the production of Hainai, you can buy us a milk tea, a coffee, or subscribe to our coffee gold at coffee.com slash HainaiPod. That's ko-fi.com slash HainaiPod. Or you can subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com slash HainaiPod. You can also check out official Hainai merchandise on our Redbubble store at redbubble.com people slash Hi, Hainai is available on Podbean, YouTube, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. You can find the links to these channels on our socials, and if you get to listen, leave us a rating and review while you're at it. Once again, thanks for all your support, and thanks for listening.